It's the California Wine Country Podcast with Steve Jackson and Dan Berger. We taste, we laugh, we learn. California Wine Country, brought to you by our friends at Bottle Barn with Dan Berger. Hello again, Dan. Hello, Harry. Good to see you as always. We are joined now by an old friend, Carol Shelton of Shelton Wines. Carol, welcome back to California Wine Country. Thank you, Harry. I appreciate it. My pleasure. For folks who aren't familiar with Shelton Wines, tell them all about it. Well, it's actually Carol Shelton Wines, only because in North Carolina there's a Shelton Vineyards, and then around here there's a Sheldon Wines. So I want to distinguish it for being <laughs> my wines. Anyway, I've been in business about 23 years now, 24 harvests, and myself personally, I've been in the wine business for about 47 years. 47 harvests. I was one of the first dozen women to graduate UC Davis with a degree in winemaking and uh, worked my way up. In 2000, I started my own, and I specialize in Zin, so I make seven or eight Zins, and Rhone wines. So I have white Rhone blend, red Rhone blend, Viognier, Carignan, all kinds of things that are not Zin. <laughs> so... And if I remember correctly from the last time I had the pleasure of interviewing you, your location is a little different. Yes. Tell us about that. (laughs) It's actually fairly common, but people expect to see a beautiful mansion in the middle of vineyards or maybe a barn. But we're in a business park, and there are five wineries in my business park. I'm pretty much the only one with an everyday tasting room, 11 to 4 every day. And we're on Coffee Lane, so we're just south of Coffee Park and north of Piner Road. In Santa Rosa here in in Santa Santa Rosa. Rosa, yep. Roll-up door warehouse. <laughs> and, of course, your website for folks looking for more information or perhaps directions, carolshelton.com. Dan, tell us your initial thoughts. And, again, Carol's been in lots of times, but for folks who may not have had heard one of those programs, what One of the most impressive things to me at the time that I discovered Carol was the fact that she was really – way under the radar and her wines were fabulous and the, and she was making the wines for Windsor Vineyards and Windsor at the time was uh, I guess it was more mail order or something like that I'm not sure what the strategy. 100% direct to consumer yeah, both by phone and consume. mail there wasn't any particular visibility on the shelves but the thing about the wines was that they were all very distinctive they were really in my wheelhouse because the acids were good, everything was balanced so perfectly, the varietal characteristics were always so precise. I was writing about the wines in the 1980s and finding that the Windsor wines just keep winning medal after medal at these wine competitions, and I was thinking, what's going on here? So I investigated and turned out that it was Carol making all those wines, and, and she was the one who was really, and it wasn't easy because she was also working side by side with another winery, that they were sharing the same property, and they were sharing similar fruit components. And yet, some of the wines that Carol was making, were, these were wines that were, were unusual varieties. I mean, you mentioned the Carignan. I mean, she's, you've been making this for almost your entire life, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could say that. All 27 years. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> Now, it's it. been a lot of fun to watch Carol's uh, uh, evolution because when she moved out of uh, her former uh, venue and decided to make wine on her own, it was a little bit slow going because initially it was hard to get the, the right fruit to get uh, into the right venues. And finally, when you really got your act together within the first like three years, 
it took about two years of of slogging hard to get through and and start your own brand. But boy, it took off like a rocket ship in about the third year. Yeah, it's still a lot of work. <laughs> it's still a lot of work. <laughs> no, it's a cakewalk, Dan. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's an absolute cakewalk. <laughs> Want to do this? Let's sure. talk about the first wine that you've brought to share. Okay. There you ah. go. I, love, I know you love that little pop. So this is my favorite of all the wines I produce, and it's a white Rhone blend. It's called Coquille Blanc. Coquille or Coquille is the French word for scallops or shellfish. And it's a tribute to the scallop shells on my family's coat of arms for Shelton. When you said coquille, my mind immediately leapt to frog, yes. which is, of course, what coquille is in Spanish. Exactly. But that's... the French have decided it means something else. Right. And actually, that's why I kind of bastardize the French pronunciation and make it coquille ah. so that people know they see two L's in an E and they want to see, say two L's in an E. Gotcha. So I, I say coquille. My, my uh, sales rep. My sales manager and some of the sales reps call it coquille properly. That is the French pronunciation. But this is a blend of grapes, mostly from one vineyard in Paso Robles, because that is one of the primo spots in the country for growing grown grapes. And that would be grapes that are grown, grape varieties that are grown in the Rhone Valley in France. And uh, they brought the Budwood over, courtesy of Tablas Creek and a few other sturdy souls down there. And I base this blend with Grenache Blanc, which is very steely and minerally and green apple-y. And that's kind of the backbone of the blend. But by itself, it's a little boring and bony. And so I put flesh on the bones by blending the next component, which is Roussan, which is a very round, oily, some people say like waxy beeswax. Um, and it's big, beautiful, soft, succulent fruit, like peaches and stuff. I am drooling <laughs> as I do it. And then uh, the next component would be Viognier, which adds a little layer of white flowers, perfume, a little delicacy. And then the final one is Marsan. And that's similar to Roussan. It's a cousin, a little bit more in the almond family than on the peach family. Yeah, so it's it's a pretty interesting blend, and each component is pretty much um, fermented separately, held separately in barrels. We, we barrel ferment the whole thing in older French oak, so it's never clobbered. Those are delicate flavors, and you the can clobber it with The descriptor that you used that jumped out to me after tasting it was soft. It's yes. delightfully soft. Dan, Thank you. your thoughts? It's almost Chardonnay-like in structure, but the aromatics are distinctively... Like uh, a a northern Rhone type wine because it has that Roussan and Marsan influence and the Viognier with the white flowers and the uh, almost flower basket characteristics. All of these pieces come together in the aftertaste, and you really do want to put put it with something that's delicate but but sweet enough to carry it, but not sweet in sugar. So to me, this would be like poached scallops with some cream added after the cooking process. This mm. is a delicious uh, wine, but it needs a little food to go with it to improve the, the, the way it comes across the palate. I hate when you do this, Dan. I know. I know I'm starving. <laughs> I didn't have lunch. I got peanut butter and jelly waiting for me at home, and you're talking about poached scallops. <laughs> I just snurfed down a power bar before I walked in here, so yes, you had me at scallops, too. Carol mentioned the Paso Robles uh, Vineyard, where the talk about Paso Robles as far as this type of wine. It's a fascinating region. It produces some of the most amazing 
white wines. Uh, everybody knows Paso Robles to be a great region for reds, and all the reds are really interesting. Zinfandel, Cabernet, I mean, you name it, any red wine except for Pinot Noir. That's the only – Pinot doesn't really grow well there. But all the red wines, that, I mean, Syrah, everything. The problem is that the white wines are overlooked, and those are really fascinating wines. And it's, it's being discovered. But you have you have to work with growers who understand what is what the main issues are. The main issue right now is too much heat. If you get too much heat and you wait too long, you've got to be very careful how quickly you pick in those in those warm days. Exactly. Get the fruit off as soon as you can. My friends that live down there that want us to move down there, <laughs> I keep telling us, oh, it's just like Sonoma County. You know that the days get warm; they're in the nineties or so in the in the daytime, and evening it cools down. Yeah, and probably a, according to the folks at Wallet Hub, it's a more fun place to live than Santa Rosa. Yeah, of course, yeah, <laughs> I, I doubt that. You, but that's you'd have to hear the earlier part of the program. But yeah, I doubt it too. But okay, I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> that's okay. I just find that it's it's not quite um, the same temperatures. It is about five to ten degrees warmer there, even in our cool evenings that we get down to fifty at night in the summer. There may be 58, you know, 57. And it's it's okay. You can sit out on your patio, but it isn't the same thing. White grapes especially really appreciate the chance to rest at night. And they like the nighttime air conditioning that we have by the Russian River. Uh, let's refresh our audience's memory on what wine it is that we're sampling and where it might be available. Coquille Blanc. This is the 22 that we're doing because that's our newest release. And uh, the 21's excellent as well. That might be what you find out there. Um, Oliver's carries it, and so does Bottle Barn in this uh, area. The sponsors That's of right. California Wine Country are good friends at Bottle Barn. Yeah, of course. For folks who want to visit Carol Shelton Wines, again, it's not mm-hmm. your standard what mm-hmm. you think of visiting a, a winery is, mm-hmm. but it's all about the wine. That's right. right. It certainly is. When you walk in the front door, you see all the medals we've won. And actually, it's a small percentage because we ran out of wall space. <laughs> Just saying. Oh, shucks. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to have to start over again and take all those down and put all the newer ones up. But well, make anyway. space for mine because I'm, I'm shipping them out next week. <laughs> all right. <laughs> we just judged Jen's competition uh, Well, December, I guess it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, so if there's metals everywhere. It's sort of like being in somebody's living room, but you don't sit on a couch. <laughs> and uh, it's, very, it's very small. But it's open every day, 11 to 4, and we're in the farthest back right-hand corner of the Pine Creek Business Park. So you have to pass all those other loser wineries. Oh, <laughs> oh my. Just oh. kidding. He's tough. Uh, they're She's... losers because they don't have a tasting room, no. see? Yeah, you just have to bypass all of them. And, and it's the same business park where Moonlight Brewing is. So that's okay. a lot of people know that as a landmark. And Vertex Climbing Wall Gym. And, I know uh, exactly where you are. Now, yeah. I just never ventured that far back. I rarely get past uh, Moonlight Brewing. Come deep into the business <laughs> park. You will find us. <laughs> and a visit and tasting. Talk about the tastings. Uh, tastings are $20, but it's completely refunded if you buy a bottle of wine. Because what we would like you to do, of course, we want you to spend money, but we'd also like you to take the experience home and, and remember us by enjoying that wine at home. So I'm going to do this. And the hours of again for visiting? 11 to 4 every day. 11 to 4 daily. Yep. Carol Shelton Wines. 
in the which the Pine Pine Creek Business Park. Pine Creek Business Park, yep. past Moonlight Brewing, yep. past Vertec Climbing, all the way at the end yep. is where the pot of gold can be found. <laughs> Lots of rainbows. <laughs> all right. We have opened and are tasting a second wine. Tell us about this one. Okay. This is called the Wild Thing Rendezvous Rosé. And it is a dry rosé from organically grown grapes in that magical place you just heard about called Mendocino County. So the grapes here are grown just north of Ukiah. And it is predominantly Carignan, which is a red Rhone, again, blending grape, and often found in Zinfandel, either field blends or separately planted, which in this case it is. And uh, it is blended with a little Zin and Petit Syrah. Dan's trying not to sneeze. So. <laughs> Are you allergic to something, Dan? No, I doubt it. <laughs> Allergies. Yeah. So the reason this wine's called Wild Thing is actually more related to the next wine. It's a wild yeast fermentation on the Zinfandel, and this is the little sister of it, and it is not wild yeast fermented, but it's organically grown. And it's the same vineyard. What I do, it's a darker rosé. It's a beautiful cranberry it's a beautiful color. beautiful color, yeah. Yeah, cranberry juice galore. Yeah. I, tr- I drink a lot of cranberry juice anyway. Cranberry so juice is one of my favorites as well. Very similar go, yeah. in color to that. Yep. So it's darker because I do something different. I do what's called a delayed saigné. So saigné is a French word meaning to bleed. And usually it's done immediately. The grapes come in from the vineyard and go into the destemmer or crusher and they bleed juice off as they do that. Well, all the flavor was in the skins and you just threw those away after five minutes in contact. So they're kind of cold, wet, acidic, have a little alcohol and that's about all I can say about those rosés. They're too pale. They don't have enough flavor for me. But this is deeply flavored, almost like a light red wine, because it had two full days on the skins. And on the third day, we bleed off half the juice. There's that saigné word again. And uh, we take half the juice, ferment it cold as a rosé. The other half ferments out red and goes into the Big Brother wine, which is the Wild Things Infidel. Dan, your thoughts? The secret to this wine is that it's really halfway between white and red. So it's a rosé in style and type and everything else, but really it comes across more like a very light red wine. What I like about it is the overwhelming aromatics that are white or pink in sense in the way the, the style of it with bright, bright cherry and strawberry aromatics. They're very easy to understand those wines, those aromatics of especially the strawberry. But what you get in the aftertaste is really the aftertaste of red wine. So if some if a couple is having dinner someplace and they get a steak on one side and seafood on the other side, this is the absolutely perfect match nice. because it goes with both. Mm-hmm. I've been told actually some of my wine club members swear by this with steak. Which is really I can see weird. That. Absolutely, not. <laughs> but it works. It works for me. And the name again on this one? This is the Wild Thing Rendezvous Rosé. Where's the rendezvous come from? That's kind of a long story. But when I first got started, I had a severance pay from Windsor Vineyards. Um, there were some things I won't get into, but they wanted some hush money, basically, right? <laughs> so they gave me a full year's salary, and. Uh, well, I was a young blonde female, and uh, they, they kind of dumped on me a lot. Okay, I didn't get the appreciation I should have gotten. So um, that's the reason I started my own brand. So when I left, um, they gave me a full year's salary, et cetera, et cetera. 
I took the name Wild Thing with me from Windsor. My, my husband was a genius in coming up with all the things to list in my severance agreement. And um, I had this bundle of money, and I had done a business plan, but I was going through it like water. I mean, it was bleeding out of us because my business plan was based on large winery economics. And there is such an economy of scale that I didn't have that I kept spending and spending and spending, and I was running out of money. And so my husband said, I want to get a report every week. He was still working. He was a software engineer. He said, I want to have a meeting every week and talk about how you have been spending our money. <laughs> nice. I earned that money. Anyway, we would go to the Oakville Grocery in Healdsburg, sadly not, no longer there, yeah. um, and sit on the patio and have a glass each of dry rosé. I did not make any. It was somebody else's. And it had lower alcohol, so the arguments were a lot less heated. And Good move. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, uh, I'm very particular about my rosés. So I was saying, you know, this is too tart. This is too sweet. This is too light. This is wishy-washy, watery, alcoholic, whatever. And he finally he said, will you just shut up and make your own? So <laughs> this is the rosé that we can use for business re- meetings. And it is our rendezvous rosé. So before we put it under the Wild Thing label, it actually had a paper label, and it was called Wild Thing, or it was called Rendezvous Rosé, no Wild Thing associated. But since it is the same vineyard as the Wild Things Inn, we just put them both into the same package, and uh, that makes a lot more sense. And they are kind of incestuously related <laughs> because half the juice of one goes into the other. So you know, I love wines with stories and boy that's a heck of a story <laughs> incest at all <laughs> well i wasn't really looking for that component but if it came up it came up this R-rated. is california wine country with dan Berger. our guest is carol shelton of carol shelton wines if you've missed any part of this program or you'd like to hear it again or any of our previous broadcasts go to our website calwinecountry.com we're in conversation with Carol Shelton of Carol Shelton Wines. We've been sampling some delightful wines, and we're going to sample yet another one. Carol, what are we enjoying now? Now you have the big brother to the rosé, and it's called the Wild Thing Zinfandel. And this is a brand-new release, 2021. What you'll still find in the stores right this moment is 2020. There are uh, probably another couple weeks' worth of that around. And um, this is named for being a wild yeast fermentation. And it's really important that it's an organically grown vineyard because the wild yeast live on the skins of the grapes. And basically, pesticides, if you were going to use them, target uh, the fungi like mildew and mold. They're fungicides. Um, Yeast happen to be fungi, too. So when you're killing off those mildews and those molds, you're also going to kill off the lovely yeast that you want to do the fermentation. So in my case, I make sure that they're organically grown. And uh, I add no yeast to it whatsoever, and it makes a beautiful wine. The yeast tend to lift the aromatics a little bit, and they leave behind a little bit of glycerol, an unfermentable sugar that makes it kind of round and creamy in your mouth. So that's the whole reason for the risk of eating that. And then this wine gets the red portion of that rosé. So it has about 14% Carignan and about 9% Petit Syrah. And the rest is all Zinfandel. Dan Berger. Blackberries up one side and down the other. It is just absolutely classic Zinfandel. That the blackberries got the spice component of Zinfandel, 
which is kind of, it's hard to describe the spice, but it's almost as if you're walking through a forest after a light rainfall. And what's really good about this wine is that the alcohol is really moderate, so it's not alcoholic in a sense. It's not heavy and clumsy as much as anything else. It's actually best slightly chilled so that you can access those beautiful aromatics in your mouth as well. And so this is really set up to go with spicy foods like what pepperoni pizza, mm-hmm. something like that. Pasta. Really good pasta dishes, yeah. And mm-hmm. and also what I really like about this is that because the alcohol is moderate, you can let it sit in the bottle for three years and it'll probably improve. There's Lay It Down Dan. <laughs> I've been waiting for him to make an appearance on the program and he just showed up. <laughs> Ironically, we just found some half bottles in the cellar that were, there were some 05s. They were a little bit tired. And then there were some 16. Amazing. Mm. They were so delicious. So that's seven years, seven years old. Lightly chilled. You need to define that, Dan. If you serve this at 70 degrees, which would be typical room temperature, the wine is not going to come across with the crispness that it would have at 60 so 60 to 70, the difference is enormous. Try this at 60 or 55 even, and you'll see that how the cellar temperature really accentuates the structure and the balance of the wine. That means that it goes better with food. It goes better all by itself. You could drink it while you're watching the 49er game with some salted peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> Just give it like a half hour to an hour chill. There That's you all go. in the fridge. And it's available right now, so folks can wa- uh, enjoy it during this Saturday's game. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. Wild thing. There's a story behind a button. <laughs> right? Uh, Carol can tell the story. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had done real well with this wine at Dan's wine competition many years ago. And he was shopping, and he found this. He just happened to be in a Hallmark store, and he found this button. And it's sort of like one of those Staples easy buttons. And you hit it, and it starts playing the song Wild Thing. So it was a wonderful gift from Dan. And every time that we serve this wine in the tasting room, my staff hit the damn button. So the button button is in the tasting room. (laughs) You can see the button in the tasting room. You can. You can hit it yourself. I would imagine if they hit it every time it's served, you hear that song a lot. I do. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I try to not get too tired of it. All right. Well, again, uh, a delicious wine. Thank you. But we need to move on to we have a few more to taste before the end of California Wine Country. Again, this is California Wine Country with Dan Berger, brought to you by the folks at Bottle Barn. You can hear a rebroadcast of this episode or any previous episode by visiting our podcast website, calwinecountry.com. And if you don't want to miss a broadcast, you can subscribe to the podcast at calwinecountry.com. What are we tasting now? We have the Coquille Rouge. Back to Coquille. Yes, back to Rhone's. Yeah, we did a little uh, one deviation into a Zin with the wild thing, and then we we did uh, two rones to start with, then the Zin, then the next rone, and then we're going to come back to another rone, which is a Carignan. Well, let's uh, not waste time. My glass is empty, as Steve would say. (laughs) I'm just not banging the glass on the counter. I'm asking. (laughs) 
said, we're on break? Yeah. No, we're okay. off break. We're talking now. Okay. So this is a Red Roan blend that, that is based in um, Contra Costa grapes. So oh, okay. we're talking the town of Oakley. We have traveled um, all over the, the uh, Northern California area today. Yeah. I, I use grapes from Mendocino to Cucamonga. So okay. uh, it's, it's always fun. I spend a lot of time in the car. <laughs> but uh, these grapes are um, kind of, if you know where Benicia is, it's mm-hmm. the other side of the bridge that comes out of Benicia mm-hmm. is Martinez, and then there's, um, oh, shoot, Antioch, and then uh, Oakley, and then Brentwood, where all the good corn comes from. Heading out Highway 4. Yes, exactly. Now, these so. grapes are very, very interesting, Harry, because these grapes typically are planted in sand. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean to fine wine? Well, Carol and... Several other winemakers, not, she's not the only one who knows this, or not, a bunch of people know this, but if you don't know why it's important to plant your fruit in sand, is that you can get away with doing something that you can't do in Sonoma County, right. and that is to plant on rootstocks that are natural or native to the plant. So means that you typically get slightly more flavor in these areas because... In sand, the phylloxera, the the root louse that kills the plant, doesn't live in sand. Now, the sand gets under its shell, and it gets very irritated, so it avoids areas that have sandy soils. And um, what happened long ago in the 1800s is some idiot Frenchman decided he wanted to try American vines in France. So he took some back, and there was some dirt attached to the soil, I mean to the rootstock, and he planted them, and he wiped out half the vine- all mm. the vineyards in Europe. There are very, very few that are called pre-phylloxera vineyards. And um, they are, this in this particular case, all in order to, sorry, in order to avoid that problem, they had to take American rootstock and make it the feet in the soil so that it can resist the phylloxera bug. And the French vine is grafted on top. So these are ungrafted, totally ungrafted. They just stick the stick in the ground and it grows. But they're 100 years old or mm. more. And it, they're water, dry farmed, absolutely no water. Um, but the Sacramento River dumps into the bay right at this point and it makes for very thick, like uh, I'd say 10, 20 feet deep in sand. You feel like you're walking in sand dunes at the beach. Mm-hmm. So they're pretty cool. The vines, uh, the varieties are Merved. And there are, there are names people aren't familiar with, perhaps because they are runes. But Merved, Carignan, Grenache Noir, um, Petit Syrah, and uh, Alicante Boucher, and 1% Viognier just for good measure. <laughs> so, but the Merved gives it kind of a black cherry leatheriness and some more sturdy tannin. The Carignan is very bright and um, sort of red raspberry. The Grenache Noir is the same thing as Grenache, but its proper name is Grenache Noir because I make Grenache Blanc, and there's also a Grenache Gris. Why would you not specify? You know, you walk up to a bartender and you say, I want to have a glass of Pinot. How does he know if you want Pinot Gris, Pinot Blanc, or Pinot Noir? Hmm, interesting. Anyway, (laughs) Grenache Noir is strawberry-like, very, very light in color and in body. It really lifts, sort of gives it a lightness of being. And then, what am I missing? Petite Syrah, so it's more blackberry, gives it more tannin. And then there's Alicante Boucher. Oh, good gracious, yes. <laughs> this the, is one of the history grapes. That's the Ted Klozuski of grapes. 
Who's he? I have no idea what you're referencing. <laughs> he was he was a slugger in baseball. Oh, oh. <laughs> you couldn't have called it the Babe Ruth of grapes. I I would have no, understood no, no. Ba- that. Babe Ruth was a baseball player. Ted Klozuski was a home run hitter and nothing but. (laughs) So this grape has blue juice. So when you squeeze any other grape, there's no color in the juice. That's how you make those really pale, insipid rosés. And in this case, if you squeeze this grape, it comes out darker than my rosé color, very dark and inky. You stain your clothes, you stain your hands, everything is stained. It's called a Tainturier grape, and Tainturier grapes tend to have red, if not darker than red, f- juice, which is very strange. And pulp. Yeah. And pulp. Yeah, so if yeah. you bite into any grape, the pulp is just sort of almost colorless uh, greenish, and, and there's no red-ish to it at all. Um, anyway, it's a very tannic grape, so it gives a little more tannic backbone, and it has a little bit of a blueberry character. So here we are. We've got a fruit salad. We got. I was going to say, I've heard every color and every berry imaginable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got black cherry, blackberry, strawberry, raspberry, and blueberry, and then that little hint of Viognier gives a little like lift of orange maybe in there. So, but it's it's a dense wine. It's not like a yeah. tutti frutti fruit salad. Um, and this particular vintage got a ninety three in the Spectator and in the Enthusiast. And uh, we're really excited. There's a restaurant chain, biggest restaurant chain in all of the United States called Landry's, and their high end steakhouse is called Mastro's. There are twenty stores across the country. We are by the glass for a year now. Nice. It'll st- it started in November and it'll end in uh, the end of October. Mm-hmm. And, and typically, by the glass wines have to have two particular elements. Number one is consistency across the entire year, and number two, ultimate drinkability. This is as drinkable as a wine gets. Yeah, agreed. I believe we have one more to send. Yes, mm. we do. Let's get one more in before okay. the end of today's broadcast. You got it. So this is a Carignan, and the reason I chose this to pour is that Dan's competition just awarded this Best of Show Red. So it is a Carignan from just north of Cloverdale, um, um, where Highway 128 goes off into Anderson Valley. Um, But it is... Uh, about 50 feet up Highway 128, and then you take the driveway. <laughs> so you can look at one at um, Highway 101 from the uh, the vineyard. This has it's got everything. Close. This has got it all. Pomegranate, yeah. initially, it's got some wild spice components from, say, uh, baby, uh, baby raspberries. <laughs> and the, the little teeny... Wild raspberries, a little teeny ones. Ones that are hardly worth picking because they're damn small. <laughs> you need yeah. so many of them to make right. anything. Right. right, exactly. But this has got everything. And the, and the pomegranate component is fascinating, but the more important issue is the structure of this wine. To me, this is ultimately the best part about this. My judge, look, I, my wine competition that I run every year, this is my 42nd consecutive year been running this wine competition. And you're going to keep doing it till you get it right. Well, right gonna, we're going to get it right in about 20 years. That's right. <laughs> And what we basically, and Carol was a judge, and one of the things that I do is to try to focus on judges who are experienced enough to have been winemakers either for their entire lives or people who are involved somehow directly in the wine business today. 
We don't want people who retired 30 years ago. So we end up with these incredible people who are really sensitive to acid levels and structure and balance. This wine has all that. All the pieces are here. This wine, this is a Carignan to beat the band. It's called Wireless. It can't be touched. It, there's nothing quite like this wine in the firmament today, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Oh, and my judges, who are all judge, oh, all winemakers, agreed, and they made this best of show. Nice. That's yeah, awesome. High praise indeed. Yes. And the reason it's called wireless, by the way, is because it grows as head-trained vines, and there are no trellis wires. They're not out on a cordon like you see the vineyards that you so neatly drive through with a tractor. This is not. They're all um, old head train guys. So we make a, a pure Alicante Boucher, and we call it Bluetooth because it stains your teeth. And <laughs> since we have a Bluetooth, we had to have a wireless, there right? There you go. There you go. <laughs> so we had a lot of fun with that. But it's the Oat Valley Carignan, Oat Valley Vineyard. All right. This has been California Wine Country with Dan Berger. Dan, final thoughts on Carol Shelton Wines? Everything Carol makes is exemplary. It's not that she doesn't have a problem with some wines. She just doesn't release those that she has problems with. I've been to her facility, and I've talked to Carol endlessly. And when, when there's a wine in the house that doesn't really make cut the, you know, the, the, the grade, doesn't reach that level of quality, it's going somewhere, but we don't know where it ends up, but it never ends up in the bottle. It's either getting fixed or it's gone. <laughs> oh, that's right. So she's really very particular about making sure that everything that you're going to get in the marketplace is as good as it gets and always going to be reasonably priced. Carol, invite our listeners to come and see you one more time. Absolutely. Come to our tasting room daily, 11 to 4. No reservations needed. If you're going to be a big group, it's nice to know ahead of time. Um, but we're on Coffee Lane, 3354B Coffee Lane, in the back of the Pine Creek Business Park. Go past Moonlight Brewing and all those other wineries where the good one is in the back. <laughs> the best is yet to come That's when you right. enter the parking lot. <laughs> All right. Carol Shelton, thank you so much for joining us on California Wine Country. You're it's welcome. good to see you again. Yeah, thank it's you great for to these delicious too. wines. Thank you. Thoroughly enjoyable. Appreciate it. Again, California Wine Country. You can hear a rerun of this broadcast and any other previous broadcast of California Wine Country by visiting our website, calwinecountry.com. And you can subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss a show. Dan, what's coming up next week? Bob Cabral and his unbelievable private uh, selection of wines. It's not the stuff he's consulting for. This is stuff he makes on his own. They are rare, they're difficult to obtain, and they are fabulous. All right, that's coming up next week. I'm Harry Duke. (laughs) Thanks for listening.